Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of It's Not All Rainbows. I'm your host, Lindsay Goodman, and if you don't know me, I am a certified trauma recovery coach, and I'm also a survivor of narcissistic abuse in a queer relationship. I'm here to help validate and support those who are or have been in my shoes and to help spread awareness of what these kinds of relationships can look like. Today's going to look a little bit different because this week I am one year no contact with my abuser. So I'm just going to kind of sit and um, reflect a little bit about that, about what it feels like to be one year no contact. If you're on YouTube, say hello to Pip. Um, she's really cuddly this morning. Nope. nope. Okay. She's done with y'all. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Yeah, I'm going to reflect upon that. And I do have a couple questions that, um, I put up a question box on Instagram last week to see if anyone wanted to know anything about where I am at this point, one year out. Um, so we'll do that first. Let me see if I can do a struggle and success. Um, I don't know if I can think of any struggles that I've been really sick. I've been sick a lot. I'm still sick right now. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. Um, if you listen to my content or watch my content a lot. Um, so that's just like a, you know, a life thing. And so I haven't really had a lot of like big things come up. Uh, but I have a success and the success is that the Narcovendors, um, a group of amazing creators that I'm so lucky to be a part of, um, and honored, we had our meet and greet in Austin, Texas. Now, some of the people in the group have done events before where they did a meet and greet and Q and A and things like that. This was the first one that I was able to be a part of. We all kind of, um, you know, we got together, we talked about content, we made a little bit of content, most of it just kind of silly. And then on uh, Saturday all day, we had, um, <clears throat> we offered coaching one-on-ones with people who uh, wanted to do that. We did a live, like a, you know, face-to-face Q and A session. And then we just did a meet and greet where people came around and asked us questions and got to meet us kind of see who we are. And it went really, really well. Um, So actually that would be the struggle. The struggle was that I was like really, really nervous leading up to it. I was nervous to meet each of the other creators. I was afraid that there would be an issue. Like we all stayed in a big house together outside of Austin. Um, I was afraid that like, you know, someone would get triggered and then we would all get triggered because we're all just a bunch of survivors, um, you know, hanging out and we don't actually know each other. Some of them have met, like I said, I was really worried about that. I was worried about meeting their partners because some of them brought partners and I was like, oh my gosh, what if one of them brings a partner who's going to just throw a wrench in the whole thing? I don't know. Um, Cause group dynamics can always be interesting. And in my experience, a lot of times in a big group, there's always somebody who brings a partner who everyone's like, really, that's who you're dating. Like this person's just like, you know, throwing off the whole group. Um, and I was really nervous about the meet and greet. I was nervous about being on a panel sitting in front of all these people. And I was nervous about, yeah, just like meeting people and what would they think of me? And what would like, would I get really nervous and like need to be alone and and recharge and stuff like that. And so that was like the struggle that I had leading up to it. But yeah, it was such a successful weekend. Again, such an honor to be there. Um, I really am looking forward to the next thing that we do together. I know that um, some of the people are going to be in Toronto, um, November 19th, I believe, but I will 
unfortunately be in Mexico City. I'm in a wedding, um, which I'm also super excited about. So I won't be um, in Toronto, but stay tuned. Um, all of us will be talking about the things that we're planning. We did get to have some talks about what that might look like next year. Just lots of ideas flowing to see what else we can do to help people and um, just help them heal and recover from this kind of abuse and, and make sure that no one's around them again who can treat us that way, right? Um, so yeah, one year, no contact, October 20th, 2021, I went no contact. I made the decision. I white knuckled it. I had sort of an idea of what I was doing, um, based on the content from Lee Hammock at Mental Illness, who I just got to meet this weekend and Lisa Sunny from Stronger Than Before, who I also got to meet this weekend. Um, so I had some of their content. I had Lisa's trauma recovery journal, um, in my hand, which I highly recommend to people. And yet I was, like I said, I was just white knuckling it. I didn't know exactly how to go no contact. I didn't have the strict rules then that I have now, which I won't go into much because I think I would like to make a whole episode about going no contact and what I did and sort of what my policies are um, and what I suggest and why. Why is it important? Why is it important to cut out all of these people? Um, which again, I'll save for another episode. Otherwise, we could just talk about that all day. Um so, you know, I hadn't blocked them right away. So, uh, they were emailing me still, they, they stopped texting me once they realized that I wasn't texting them anymore, but they were still emailing me for a while. Um, you know, I still, we were on a lease at our house. I was away for 90 days, just kind of waiting them for them to finally realize that I wasn't coming back and I wasn't going to respond. Um, someone had come during that time and taken my dogs luckily finally, cause that was very stressful for me for the first six weeks or so being gone. I, I need to look and see exactly how long um, the dogs were with them while I was gone. Um, and while I, I still didn't know exactly what was going to happen to them. Um, I've made a lot of content about that. I've talked about that whole situation a lot. Definitely very difficult when dogs um, and kids are involved in things like that. And then it finally, I, I, I came back to Washington. Um, <clears throat> it was 30 days after they had moved out. I had a group of people come and help me. Some of them I had never met before, um, sort of like strangers off the internet that followed me and were like, Hey, I live sort of nearby. I'd like to come help. Um, I'm very thankful for that and turned my key in kind of started starting my life over. I heard from them, um, in January of last year when I first came back again, this was before I knew that I could like block someone on text. I, I didn't know, um, had them blocked on all social media and things like that. And like, even had like gone through and found some like other I don't know why they would make some like with almost the same name of them, but like if there was someone that had sort of the same name as them and didn't have a picture and didn't have like followers or anything, like I was blocking that, like, I don't know who this is. Um, and starting to block more people who knew both of us because those people, you know, they would reach out and they would say, Hey, I heard this or, Hey, you know, ask me for information, which is like the flying monkey thing. Um, which I do have a whole episode about slowly starting to block more people, but yes, I heard from them in January and it was a mega Hoover attempt. Um, it was something about like, you know, I don't want to be the reason, like they, they knew that I was back and, you know, I don't want to be the reason why you can't come to the gym anymore. You know, if we could talk about it, you know, maybe we can figure something out. That's a hoovering attempt y'all. If we can, if we can talk about this, you know, trying to look like they're, they're calm and cool and collected and over it, quote unquote, and like, they're going to be the, the bigger person. So I can still go to the gym. And I was just like, I'm not going to that gym, dude. I don't care if it's not during the time that you're there. I'm not doing it. There's too much history there. Uh, don't trust the people there after all of this. Uh, I knew that a lot of them knew a lot of what was going on. 
and even took part in like sort of facilitating the beginning of their relationship with the next person after me, even though they were quote unquote, my friends, they were like, yeah, go date that girl, even though she just got married. And I was just like, I'm not going to the gym anymore. And this is, this sounds crazy. And this sounds so dramatic, but like, this is, this is life when you're leaving a narcissist, when you're leaving an abusive person, it's like lots of weird, random players in the game, lots of flying monkeys, random new people coming along, or maybe somebody that they had tried to date before anyway. Um, and then I heard from them in April. Um, they drove past me and they got through to me and I was pretty proud of myself because I didn't really have much of a reaction to it. I just was like, I had actually seen a car that looked there, like theirs driving by, but I didn't think it was them. I was just like, mm, look away. Um, and sure enough, it was them. And they were like, Hey, I just saw you. And I saw the dog hanging out the window. And I also saw your son's dad. I said his name, but like saw him today. It's like, what a weird day. I hope you're well. And I'm like, mm-mm. So I'm telling you about these times that I was contacted because my point is, and again, we'll get into this in a no contact episode, block them on everything when you're going no contact, because that those are things that can set you back. Um, but ever since then, I haven't heard anything from them. Like I said, part of being no contact is not looking at their social media, not asking about them, not getting information about them from other people. Um, so I am one year um, of me not giving them anything through me. Um, again, I have heard from them, which, you know, um, we really want to try really, really hard to prevent that. It's not always possible. So really, really excited because when you go no contact and you're leaving an abusive person, even if you're like, I'm adamant, I'm not going to do this again. It's a very scary time. It's very confusing and you're not sure if you can really do it. So for me, this is a really big thing to, to celebrate um, and I am going back to, to be with my family during that time, even though I found out last time I was home that like, I don't think I'm as close to my family as, as I, as I sort of tell myself that I am. And there's a lot that I'm trying to work out there, like through my own coaching and therapy and things like that. Um, <clears throat> but that's where we were a year ago. And so we're going to go back and I'm going to try to think of something fun and special to do with my son on that day and keep it low key. We were going to do like a big trip or something, but trying to save some money for travels next year. Anyway. Question number one, have you felt the urge to talk to them at any point since you went no contact? Um, I know. Um, <clears throat> I don't remember a lot of the very beginning because I was probably dissociating a lot and I was crying a lot and I was grieving. Um, <clears throat> going no contact essentially at first is kind of like um, quitting a drug or an alcohol addiction or even caffeine where you definitely feel withdrawals where I remember checking my phone a lot, but also like desperately hoping I wouldn't see anything from them. And luckily I didn't, um, for the initial period of time when I was breaking the trauma bond. Um, yeah, like I said, I did get some emails from them periodically, like asking me like, when are you coming home? What do you want from our house? Um, the internet's not working, like things like that. And, um, I'm sure at first there were times that I was tempted to just actually, you know what? I don't think I did because like I said, they had, they had someone else that they started seeing. Um, and that was not something that I wanted anything to do with. Although I did have a lot of guilt and fear for the new person. Um, I was so disgusted by what I saw them doing at the time that I had no interest. And like, I knew that they were seeing someone that wasn't like they were, you know, sitting at home by them, like by themselves. And I like felt sorry, like, cause sometimes we can feel sorry for them. We can feel like, Oh, but they're alone. Or what if they haven't found a place to live yet? Or like all these things that really aren't our problem. Like this person abused you. Um, what, whatever kind of abuse it was, this person abused you. And, um, 
if you're like me, you probably received post-separation abuse when you left. Like it's not good. It's not easy to leave them. And yet, like, we still have a tendency to feel sorry for them and worried. Like, how are their finances? Do they have a job? Do they have friends? Are they okay? And I've had those thoughts like, um, are they okay? Uh, do they have support? And, um, you know, I'm not going to share anything, you know, about them, what they might be struggling with, but like, do they have support in this aspect of their life? Because I was someone who gave them some support with that. Um, but that's not my problem. That's not something that I can do anymore. That's not something that they deserve from me anymore because again, they abused me. So no, um, I was trying to say that, yeah, I think I maybe did want to in the beginning, but yeah, no, because like I said, they had someone else, they had someone else living in our house. Um, the landlord had told me that. And I knew, like I said, I knew they were moving on the new supply and, um, I just didn't want to be a part of that. I was afraid that if I did message them and the other girl would message me and get in my business and that they would message me and be like, well, I don't know. I just didn't want that drama. If you could go back to that day and tell yourself one thing, what would it be? Um, I'm guessing this person meant like, if I could go back to the day that I went no contact, what would it be? It would be that you're going to be okay, that you can do this, that you're going to do incredible things. Like feel all the feels, let this happen. And you're going to be in a year from now, you won't even recognize yourself. You're going to be so proud. Your kid's going to be amazing. He's going to be just fine. Like he's not suffering for losing this person. He's going to be able to be himself now. Um, and you're going to be able to be yourself now. And so, and that's also what I would say to all of you, um, that you can do it. And that I promise, and I just made a TikTok about this or an Instagram reel about this. Like you can get your smile back. You can get your laugh back. You can get your hobbies back. You can get your careers back. You can get your friends back or make new friends or have new hobbies. That's what I did. I found new hobbies. Like you are going to, whether it takes you a year, five years, however long it takes you, you're gonna, you're going to be amazing. You're going to be you again, but like a better version of you. Are there ever days that you feel bad for leaving even when you know you shouldn't? No, I'm, I'm a year out. Um, and like I said, I mean, I am a trauma recovery coach. I did a whole training to get certified to be able to help other people. I've read all the books. I've listened to all the podcasts. I've done all the stuff. And so I understand more than I sometimes wish I did what the relationship really was and who they are and, and what they are. Um, and so, no, I never, I never do feel like that. But when I first left, like that first day that I was gone, I was pacing and I thought I was overreacting um, and that maybe I should go back home because um, I had taken some stuff out. I was staying somewhere else. Um, and part of that is because, you know, you're, you're in a trauma bond, you're feeling cognitive dissonance, which is like two conflicting stories, which is like, I care about this person and I want to fight for this relationship. And also they're abusing me and which is the real thing. Cause how can that both be happening at once? A lot of times people will be like, I love this person. I hate this person, whatever those two conflicting ideas are. And they're just like, you know, it's, it's, you're like in this fog. Um, and as I was leaving the night that I took my son out of our house and I have talked about this, they, they, they came up to me, I was holding him and they didn't want the other person that was staying in our house, which I say this all the time, I believe is the only reason I made it out is because there was someone else there who was seeing what was going on and helped me get out. Um, <clears throat> they came up to me and got really close to me and just said, you don't have to leave. You are doing this. So you are doing this. Um, you're overreacting. You're being dramatic. I haven't done anything wrong. You're ruining our relationship. You're making something out of nothing, you know, that kind of thing. So the next day 
those words, like the, that seed that they had planted started to grow and I was pacing and I was like, oh man, like, and it's this confusing my son, like we're at his dad's house, you know, his dad's, his dad was gone for a couple months. So of course the house was empty and I had a key and I was like, we're going to stay here for a little bit. Um, and then it ended up not being safe for us to stay here. But I was like, am I just messing him up? Like taking him out in the middle of the night because this person was being horrible to him. But then like, were they like, I don't know. Yeah, they were. Um, but I was able to reach out to somebody who had extensive knowledge of them, um, from another time and gave me the information that I needed. I'm not going to say more, but gave me the information that I needed and the confirmation that yes, this person is dangerous. They're obviously not going to change because this person had, it was, you know, several years beforehand. Um, and so that just confirmed for me. And that was, that was physical stuff. And that was before we had even gotten into talking about the other types of like emotional, um, abuse that took place in the relationship. But, um, from that point on, I did not feel like it was the wrong thing to leave. No. Um, but it would make sense with everything that I just said, it would make sense. And it would be totally normal for you to feel that way. Like I said, with the cognitive dissonance, um, the trauma bond that you're most likely in all of that brain fog, it's going to be confusing. You just have to know that you deserve better than what you're getting. There's a reason why you're leaving. There's a reason why you left. Right. Um, and that person isn't going to have changed and they're not going to like a lot of times people will ask or think like, well, what if I left and then they end up changing in a couple of months? Well, they didn't change when you were with them. So it really doesn't matter. Right. And we don't really want to even know if they changed because we should by that point, not should, I don't like to say should, we are hopefully by that point, no contact and working on our own healing. So we shouldn't even know if that person's doing better because like they did what they did. They did what they did and they, they should be losing access to us. And I will say should there. Do you ever miss them? No, not at all. Again. And I, I know that it's like, you guys are gonna be like, this is not relatable because I do miss them. Like, why don't you miss them? Um, a lot of times when people ask about like, or tell me that they miss this person. One of the things that I'll say is like, you miss who you thought they were, who they could be, if they could change, like who you saw in the beginning that they, they made up for you. That isn't real. And a lot of times, like we miss like their inner child. Like we see this wounded child. We know their childhood trauma because they've told us a little bit about that. If it's even true, but like, I can see that baby person. Um, and no, especially because I've met their family, like some of the things that they went through as a child where they were like emotionally neglected and all of this. And then there are struggles like that they've had growing up and even probably now. Um, and I feel for them and I sometimes wish that I could be a support for them, like in that journey or whatever. And especially since I've healed so much, like in another world, had I met them and they were like a friend and I was where I am now to where, um, I could, you know, like not have a close relationship with them, but like maybe if I was like their coworker or like just some random person who like was like, Hey, you're doing a great job on this journey or something like that. Like, those are the things that like, maybe, but I never miss them as a partner. I never miss them in my life. I don't miss them in my son's life. Um, and I think a lot of that is due to the fact that, again, I have researched so much about narcissistic abuse, um, NPD. And for me, it's the understanding that the relationship wasn't real. For me, it was real. I thought it was real. For them, it wasn't real. It wasn't a relationship. It was abuser and abusey. It was them running the show, doing all of this stuff, giving me ideas of what could happen. Um you know, telling me all the things that are wrong with me, all the things that I've created content about already, like that's not a real relationship. And for me, that's not something to miss. 
Um, I don't even miss like the early days. Everyone's like, oh, in the beginning it was amazing because I know that it was love bombing. I know that they were targeting me. I know that they, they went for my son immediately. They came over the next day after we hung out, um, which I just did an episode on like reframing the, the first date or the first night or something like that. The next day they came over and didn't interact with me really at all. They were all about my son. They were on the floor. They were playing with him. And that's because they knew that I wanted that loving parental figure in his life, which now I don't. He is good. He has all the parenting he needs right here. Um, he doesn't need someone else. You know, that's not interesting to me at all anymore. Um, but at the time I thought that that's what I wanted and that, that he would need. And, and so they did that. So for me, even looking back at the quote unquote good times, they aren't real. Um, Last year, last Christmas, when I had only been no contact for a couple of months, I missed them at Christmas time. And I texted a friend and I said, I'm missing them because Christmas was usually good. I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure we had some fights um, and on and around Christmas, but like they would go all out on Christmas. They were calmer. They would buy gifts. They would buy gifts for my son. They would buy gifts for my son's dad. Like it was just this time of calm and like, you know, like, Christmas lights and snow and this and that. It's just like, oh, yay, this is great and amazing. But that was fake too. That was one of the things like abusers need to pepper in good times for you to stay, to keep you confused. Well, you know, it hasn't been that bad. We've been doing good for a while. Well, Christmas was good, whatever. So, you know, last year I had to work through that. I had to remind myself and really dig deep in terms of like, what was that? What was really happening there? Because my brain is telling me that it was a good time and that Christmas with them was good. When in reality, they were putting a show on for my son's dad. They were putting a show on for social media because I was already, um, when I left last year, I had just gotten to 20,000. Actually today, the day that I'm recording, I just looked on my archive because today that I'm recording, October 17th of 2021 is the day that I found out that they were making their move on this next person. Um, also the day that I found out I had 20,000 followers on Instagram and 30,000 on TikTok. So yeah, we've had a lot of growth um, since then, but um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, um, it's really for me just understanding that that person wasn't real. That person was, you know, um, that person wasn't real. Uh, I had my ideas of what they were and who they could be like, even all, almost to the very end, even once I came across narcissism and started learning about it, I still really struggled with accepting that, um, because I didn't want them to be that I wanted them to be like me. I was projecting onto them that they were like me and that they could be self-aware and that they could change and grow and, and genuinely, you know, understand what they were doing to harm, not just me, but the people before me and the people after me. Um, but I no longer have that hope for them. I feel sorry for them, um, that they most likely won't, that they'll keep living in this cycle of abuse. Um, and most likely not understanding why, but probably blaming everyone else for it. Right. So those are the only questions I got. There's four questions. Um, I hope that, you know, if you follow me, if you've been on my journey for a while, that you can see how far I've come, um, in the past year and that you're inspired by my journey and, know that I'm not perfect and that I do have struggles and that, you know, I'm not healed. Um, and it's going to be a long time. It's a, it's a long journey healing from this kind of abuse. Um, but I do hope that you're inspired, that you have hope that you can, like I said, get, you know, get your hobbies back or start new ones, make new friendships, um, you know, find your passion and all of, all of that stuff. Um, and I also hope that you don't compare yourself to me. If you're still there, 
either if you're ahead of me timeline wise or behind me timeline wise, but you're, you know, you're like, I'm not there in my healing yet. That's okay. We're all on a different journey. Please don't compare yourself to me. Um, cause like I said, it's not, it's not all, it's, it's not all rainbows, right? Um, I'm healing every day, just like you are. Like I said, I hope that you listen to this and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be doing that. I'm going to, I can't wait to say I've been six months, no contact. I can't wait to say I've been a year, no contact because I know you can do it. Um, and like I said, um, I do know that on the list, I am going to talk about when I broke the trauma bond and how, and what it felt like, which I mentioned a little bit in this episode. Um, and then I will make one about going no contact. Uh, and again, and how I did it, how long it took me to like, like the, the stages of progression of no contact. And, um, like I said, my policies, quote unquote, and why it's important. So we will dive into that, um, over the next couple of weeks. Before I wrap this up, I am, uh, the next events that I have, which are a ways away because I don't know what the Narc Avengers are doing yet. The holidays are coming up, so we haven't worked anything out yet, but I am hosting a trip to Costa Rica in March of 2023 and Greece in August of 2023. And the purpose of those trips are for, um, survivors, LGBTQ folks, and, uh, moms or parents who don't get to, don't feel any of those people who don't feel able to travel in this way. I want to offer a safe space a non-judgmental space where you can take that time away from your kid and no one's like, oh my gosh, you're going to be away from your kid for a week. What's wrong with you? Um, and you can be a survivor and we can talk about trauma and you can be an LGBTQ person like myself um, and feel safe. And again, not judged. And um, you can just be yourself and we can go on these adventures. Either Costa Rica is going to be like adventure, like mountains and jungle and ocean and all that stuff. And Greece is going to be like your little European, like let's look at these ruins. Let's go to this fine, you know, dinner. Let's have some wine. Let's go on this cruise to Santorini. Let's pass a couple of days in Santorini, like history, all that stuff. But either way, it's going to be connection. We're going to be making friends. Um, it's going to be incredible. So if you're interested in that, um, on Instagram, on my highlights, you can have that there. Um, or TikTok and Instagram, I do have a beacons link, um, which should lead you to that information. If you like this podcast and, or if you're on YouTube, please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff, because, um, I really do want to get this into the ears of the people who need it the most. And all of your interaction really does help get that word out there. Um, and, uh, yeah, stay tuned for more. I will be back next week. Take care, everybody.